American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. This is your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, joined as always by the one of us, between the two of us, let's be honest, this is why you tune in. This is the man, the myth, the legend, the West Ham's own, Liam Bright. How are you today, Liam? Well, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to all of you today. I hope to just absolutely pleasure your oral cavities on today's episode of American Hammers Radio. I'm not going to lie. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if that's the way I, I did every episode? For fuck's sake. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. I, I just watched The Ladies Man the other night. One of the greatest Saturday Night Live flicks nobody talks about. And you could have been his partner <laughs> in crime there. You know, just everybody, just do it in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> just one time. Let her, let her manhandle your mud monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What we are starting off so poorly here. This hey, is what happens. You, this is what happens after a break, man. That's that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you miss uh, X amount of time. Obviously, you want to apologize for the uh, spotty recordings of this session. Um, obviously, I had to go to Texas. I caught COVID. You're talking to somebody with COVID right now, so make sure you wear your fucking mask while you listen. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, fun fun fact, Liam. I have COVID at this current moment. I am COVID positive, and I have not had a single symptom. Not bad, not bad. I mean, other than the the massive diarrhea, but I mean, I know that's kind of normal for you. Like Kyle, if, if if nothing else, he is he is consistent with his bouts of diarrhea. But that's what happens when your entire diet consists of hard boiled eggs and whiskey. Touche. And that <laughs> is exactly right. When you drink as much whiskey as I do, this happens. Obviously, West Ham United have been on a fairly decent run of form since the last time we talked to you. They did go out and have, uh, well, we dominated this team last year in Chelsea, but uh, this year yeah, it didn't quite go so well. Uh, no. we, fell, we fell down 3-0. Fat Frank finally got one over on us, but don't worry, Frank. We still have your number. We're up in the all-time series against you. So I want to make that clear. Um, then West Ham had an interesting run. Uh, they took on Brighton, fell down um, in that game, and then find their way back in order to get a goal to tie. I believe Suchek was the one that scored that yeah. goal that equalized to make it 2-2. Um, first start of the year, or first start since, since I think the first game of the year for Mark Noble in that game. And <coughs> he didn't look all that great, Liam. No. In um, that great Mr. West Ham struggled. Uh, then they moved on to Southampton and I'm not going to lie to you, Liam, this game, uh, is where we'll start talking a little bit about the games. I honestly felt that was going to be a tough one for us to pull anything out of, but, uh, West Ham's defense and the first start from Craig Dawson, we saw Craig Dawson get in the starting lineup due to, uh, Fabian Balbuena, um, feeling a little knock, or you might have some news on that later. And Craig Dawson gets in there, and he played uh, a, a pretty damn good game for a guy that we had to get in a pinch. Um, kind of a last-second situation, loan, shit, we need some cover, let's get him. And Craig Dawson looked pretty good in that game for West Ham United. Um, unable to find a goal in that game, but nonetheless got a clean sheet, ended up walking away with a point against a hot team like Southampton at that time that was challenging the top six places in the table that's a pretty good result. 
Then West Ham, um, their last Premier League performance was against Everton. And I'm not going to lie, you and I talked about this off the show. When we looked at this game, I don't think either one of us thought it was a game we could get anything out of. No, not at all. And wouldn't you know it, Thomas Suchek again (laughs) finds the back of the net in a crucial moment of the game. He was at the right place at the right time. Um, ball bounces back to him and he one times it in doesn't hesitate. He's got that killer instinct. And the more we watch this guy play, um, the more special he's becoming West Ham find a way to get that win against Everton. And then most recently they get out against Stockport in a non against a non-league football, which by the way, watching those games is so much fun. These little tiny shitty stadiums tucked in neighborhoods. You know, you got people <laughs> out on the back porch sweeping going, Oh, there's a match today. And then right. just start, start watching. The field is absolute shit. West Ham, um, I, for all intents and purposes did not play a very good game, but nonetheless uh, found a way to get the win um, by who else but Craig Dawson? Craig uh, motherfucking Dawson. <laughs> three straight games, three clean sheets, and he gets a goal. Um, West Ham United get the win to move on into, I think they're moving into the fourth round of the FA yeah. Cup. Uh, very impressive for West Ham United. That's um, normally those games, if, if you remember, those are the games we tend to lose. We, yeah. we a non league team that's absolute dog shit, we lose. And, um, you know, Moyes put out a pretty strong squad. It wasn't the greatest performance from that squad, but there's a lot of contributing factors there, I think, of why West Ham did not play their best. But as a Premier League side does, they find a way to get that goal and move in to the next round. So looking at those um, five games that we missed since the last time we talked, what performance of those five, Liam, sticks out to you as the performance that really – said something about West Ham United. Well, I think for for both of us, we were really thinking that that Everton game was something we weren't expecting points from. But I'll kind of rewind it even a little bit before that. With Southampton, uh, with Craig Dawson coming on, uh, which was really interesting because on that one, we also had... Uh, uh, Fredericks come on again, which it, you know was his first start in in quite a while since he went down with injury. Uh, we had Lanzini and Yarmo also start, uh, so it was a very interesting lineup for Southampton, which I think a lot of people thought was going to net us a loss because there not a lot of people, myself included, uh, had a lot of faith in Craig Dawson. But not only did Dawson almost kill a Southampton player by taking off his head while trying to score on a volley, uh, but he also gets man of the match. For that for that game, which I, I thought was incredibly impressive. Um, going into Everton, same thing, kind of thought, okay, well, you know, he just had a good game. Probably not going to be a whole lot there, but Craig Dawson holds it down, you know, helps us get the, uh, the, the clean sheet out of that one. And as you said, Thomas Suchek has been quite literally head and shoulders above most other players on the pitch um, as he ghosts past defense and puts the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, I, I think that we have shown... Um, that we have we have sort of changed and developed as a team. Uh, when we looked at those earlier matches, like the wins over Wolves and Leicester, where it really looked like we were going to be very creative on the counterattack and that we were going to score a lot of goals from open play, more recently we really relied on uh, set pieces in order to, to, to get those goals. Even as far back as the Tottenham game, uh, that Lanzini thunder cunt of a strike absolutely came off of a set piece. So I think that we have 
we have established ourselves as an ongoing threat. This Stockport game, same thing. I mean, it wasn't a pretty game. I thought Mark Noble, although he was fairly terrible in the Brighton game, kind of made me feel like he really doesn't need to be starting any more matches, uh, started in the Stockport game and was a man on fire. He was absolutely a man possessed in that match. Uh, and it kind of told me that there is still fight in Mark Noble. I don't think that he necessarily needs to be a starter. I think the the next round for the FA Cup against Doncaster, I would absolutely still put him in because he'll be that fight. He'll be the bite that you need at the get-go. And then you can bring in Thomas Suchek to kind of help kill off the game, you know, a la the 60th minute, right? Give give uh, uh, Tommy there a good 30 minutes or so to, to kind of, you know, get his rhythm and help us close it out. Uh, but I, I got to say, man, I think with Craig Dawson, the question I want to ask you, I mean, it's still early days, right? Only three matches. But keep in mind that when we, what was he off of Watford? We got him? Yeah, when, blown off Watford in a pinch because we couldn't we couldn't finalize the deal with Burnley for uh, Teres, uh, Teresinski. I uh, think that's a figure skater. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I, I think it was, I think it was Tootin Common was the, yeah, uh, the guy, but, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think, I think what's, what's really interesting is he hadn't played, you know what I mean? Since the, the loan spell started, um, he had gotten one, uh, one match on the bench. And then obviously these last several matches, he's actually, uh, started and performed really well. Now, would you, by Craig Dawson, or do you just feel like he's something to fill the gap for the time being until we can locate somebody that's going to be a better option in the future? You know, when you pose this question to me in the, in the, um, in the pre-meeting, my initial thought was, no, I wouldn't buy Craig Dawson. But the more I think about it and I listen to what you're saying, if it ain't fixed, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why, why yeah. not bring him in? He's been nothing, um, but a great teammate. Um, he looks like when he goes out there. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen a few times where Ogbonna is frustrated with Dawson on the pitch for doing that. But that that's a little bit of rust. It's a little bit of, hey, man, I haven't played in a while, but he's figuring it out. But nonetheless, West Ham United lose a defender who's in form in Fabian Balbuena, the general. He's out. And Dawson steps in and we improve defensively. <laughs> um, that that in of itself is it's it's not only a credit to Dawson, but it's absolutely a credit to David Moyes' ability to motivate players. As much as I pile on our our uh, our skipper, as much as I do, the fact is he is constantly proving that he can get players motivated and get players to work beyond what we've seen out of them in the past. Um, Lanzini in this FA yeah. cup game. Um, I, I bet if we looked at the numbers, he might've covered the most ground on the team. Yeah, I, I mean, think there, so. there were times we were watching the match on, uh, on zoom together because <laughs> obviously I'm COVID positive and I can't be around anybody. Um, we were watching the match on Zoom and, and we were commenting on how Lanzini was constantly deep uh, playing defense, not getting the ball, mind you, yeah. like putting in tackles and playing. And that's not a Lanzini we ever, we never saw that Lanzini under Slavin Bilic, who's the man that brought him in. We yeah. never saw it under Moyes the first time. We never saw it under uh, Pellegrini at all. Uh, right now, what we are seeing out of uh, every player is a buy-in to the David Moyes way, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it was proven to me in the Brighton game. 
the Brighton game, when we went down 2-1, that is a prototype game that West Ham United lose, and it starts a bad trend. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we've lost three of five or three of four. And, you know, in a five-game stretch, we have four points. But that's not the case. We battled back in that game, picked up the the draw against Brighton, and it felt like a win. Like, yeah. that's the interesting thing. It felt like a win against Brighton because of the way we got that goal. And Thomas Suchek, again, who we're going to get into here in a minute, um, absolutely, what they... The, I have to say this. When we had Slavin Bilic, Slavin was a, I mean, he was a riverboat gambler. I remember there were games we would be down 2-1 and he would throw on two attackers and he'd say, we're either going to lose it 3-1 or we're going to tie it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he would go for it. Then you bring in David Moyes the, firm, the first time with a bear cupboard and a poor, a poor uh, selection of players he found a way to keep us in 17th or higher. Job done. Excellent job. We let him go. We bring in the quote-unquote manager that we all wanted, Pellegrini. And when Pellegrini gets here, it was, I, I, unfortunately, it was proven. If Pellegrini can't buy the best players in the world, he's, from a tactician standpoint, not a very bright manager. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's much. just, he's not. It, I, I try to say this. This is my argument. And yes, I'm going on record saying this. This is my argument with Pep Guardiola. Is Pep really that good, or is it that he has the best players in the world? Right. Because I'm really curious if Pep's system works when you don't have uh, Lionel Messi and you don't have Kevin De Bruyne and you don't have Arian Robin and you don't have these players at these giant clubs that are able to basically do things that no other player can do. So this system works because this guy can do three jobs when right. his, our players can maybe do one. So well, continue. Well, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna say it's it, it's a it, it's an interesting thing because like even when you look at that Brighton game coming off of the Chelsea game, right? So Chelsea, we lose three zero. Even though that first half, I think we we had it beat. I think it was the second half that we kind of lost control of it. Um, with Brighton, you know, we we had to come back twice, right? Like they score first, we equalize. They score again, we equalize, and that's five goals that is shipped by what has been a pretty stalwart defense so far this season. So it's interesting to me that after those two games, you know, Moyes has the wherewithal to say, okay, something's not working, and instead of bringing in Diop for these that next stretch of games, who by all points and purposes should be the backup when Bob Buena goes down. Instead, he brings in Dawson. So I think we have been over overly critical of, of Moyes, you know, definitely this season, if not, you know, some, to some degree last season as well. Um, but I think he's he's kind of proven a lot of the doubters wrong, is that he, he can recognize when there are opportunities. Sometimes he gets it right, sometimes he gets it wrong. And I think your shout for Pep Guardiola is a perfect shout, right? You look at... Um, some managers can have all the, the best players in the world and their mediocre tactics will work because they have the really good players. Some other coaches, look at Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho. Look at when he had Man United. First season was fine. Second season, you know, the fucking wheels come off. And he, he's got great players there, but it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not working for him. So I think it, there is something to be said about bringing in the right players that work with the right system for the right manager. And I think that's what we have right now with this team. Yeah. I, 
you, you, you look at this team and, and to get back to your question on Dawson, would I make his loan permanent? Would I go ahead and, and pull that trigger and buy him? This is the reality that I'm going to say. Craig Dawson is an aging defender. His best years might be behind him or he might only have one left. Like, so if the price is right, yes, you bring him on. It seems like he fits into what Moyes wants to do. And even when he makes mistakes, they are not mistakes that are costing West Ham United right now. So I like what he is. But the truth is, and and this is close, but this is my overall opinion on Craig Dawson. If you can't find anything better that you know is better, then yes, you bring him in. And I don't think that West Ham, one, have the money to go get somebody better. And two, anybody else you bring in is virtually going to be an unknown in David Moyes' system unless it's a player Moyes has worked with before. And right. so I, I just don't see why you would want to. I, The defender out of Burnley, he doesn't even want to come. And I've heard shouts that we're trying to go back in for him again and again. And I don't even understand why um, Tara Scott, I believe it's Tara Skosky, but I, I mean, I know that's wrong. I know all of you, if anybody listens in England, you're going like these fucking Americans can't say shit, <laughs> you know, but I, the truth is like, I just kind of look at the situation and I think you're right. I think I would rather invest that money in other areas right now than in the defenders, because I kind of like what we have and yeah. I think it's working. Yeah. And I, I like you and I talked about it, um, you know, in the, the pre-meeting, like think about the option of, you know, an Ogbonna, Balbuena, Dawson back three. So three legitimate center backs, um, all with height, right. All with physical stature that they can really battle some of those, uh, those other strikers. Uh, and then uh, that way you're not waiting for Masawaku to come back from injury because you have Aaron Cresswell that, as we know, can bomb forward and can put in a, a badass cross. And if he's not tasked with the defensive duties as much um, in a, as he is in a back four, I mean, that's essentially an, another attacking midfielder that we have. And I think that, you know, if you've got him and you've got, you know, uh, Lanzini or Ben Rama or whoever you want to put with him kind of on that left-hand side, I think there's a lot of potential for overlap. And that's a lot of firepower that you can throw into the box, which could net us those goals that we were seeing early on in the season, instead of us trying to battle out these, you know, one nil wins, which, you know, has all of us fucking sprouting more gray hair every, (laughs) every match. So. And, you know, Dawson's been a revelation, and you're right. And in the last um, three games, three clean sheets when he's been out there, and I was going to make the argument, well, look who we've played. Well, Southampton's at the top of the table, and so's Everton. So the fact, you know, and Stockport, let's be honest about that Stockport game. Shitty field conditions. It's hard. It was, you know, you're playing playing against a team that you don't really get to see. I – I just, there's so many factors in that game that, you know, it, it's hard to get players motivated to go play Stockport. And well, look, they were playing I, on fucking Hamburger Helper, dude. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that pitch was the worst. You, you could see, like you and I were laughing because they would go to play a long ball and it would just stop dead in the water. <laughs> like it would just, it was just sitting there floating. So like nobody was coming out looking, you know, great in that game. And 
and I know, look, I am an American and I am not going to sit here and act like I understand the magic of the FA cup. I do not. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, and I, and I put this out to every West Ham fan and I understand that, it, you know, it's probably a, a closer to 50, 50 split than I think, but the reality situation is I would rather finish higher in the premier league table than have a run in the FA cup. That's just, that's just my opinion. You know, it'd be nice because it is nice to put a trophy in the trophy case, and I understand that. But if you if you asked me right now, Liam, finish sixth in the Premier League or make it to the Final Four of the FA Cup, I'm telling you right now, I'm taking sixth in the Premier League. Like right. that is 100 where where I want. I want West Ham to ascend to a much higher um, valuation from everybody else than to finish ninth and have an FA Cup run and everybody goes, well, ninth, that's about where West Ham should be. I want people to start taking notice of who we are. And right. one one way this is going to happen is we talked about Dawson. We have to talk about another guy who is slowly becoming the best player on the pitch for West Ham United, and that is the Czech Republic's own Thomas Suchek. How about this guy? I mean, I, I cannot – look – one of my all-time favorite West Ham players, who I absolutely love, we lost to Crystal Palace, you know, and I, I now I'm blanking on his name, but I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely loved Kuyate. He yeah. was so much fun. He was a true box-to-box midfielder. Um, I remember one one of the biggest games ever at the London Stadium. We needed the win, and he was the guy that scored a goal, and he scored it from about forty yards out. Yeah, and. I absolutely love that guy. And we lost him. And I remember I was sad to see him go because I was thinking he's an unsung hero at West Ham United. Well, the truth is we have finally found his replacement and he's probably better. And that's Thomas Suchek. I have never seen a player look more ridiculous as a human being than Thomas Suchek and play so damn good. Like, I, I don't know if there's anybody in the Premier League, maybe Van Dyke when he's healthy, that's better in the air. I, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if there's anybody better in the air than Thomas Suchek. And I also don't know if there's anybody that just has that luck to be in the right place at the right time when we need a massive goal. This player, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be hell on us to hang on to him. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a really hard deal to to hang on to this player. But I'm telling you, Liam, and I mean this. Thomas Suchek is hammer of the year right now, without question. And he is a guy that everybody is trying to game plan around. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough not to, right? Cause when you know, he's that kind of an aerial threat, uh, but you also know that he's not afraid to take the ball at his feet and try to shoot. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, it was at the Southampton goal where it was a tap in at the back post. So it wasn't even a header that he gets in the back of the net. You know, it was a, or no, maybe, maybe it was the Everton goal. Anyways, one of the goals that he had in that last stretch of games, it wasn't even off his head. So like he can get into positions where he's, he's a threat at, you know, whether it's the balls at the ground or the balls in the air. And one of the things that I really noticed in the Stockport game was obviously he didn't start right. Mark Noble started, but when they brought him in, you could immediately see Sufal get reinvigorated, right? Like that goal comes from Suchek playing a ball over the top 
for Souffal. Souffal running it down, trying to put the cross in. You know, it goes out for a corner. Bowen plays the the short corner tiki-taki with, uh, with Declan, I want to say. Crosses the ball in, and then Dawson comes in with the header. But you, when you just look at that, you look at the immediate impact that Suchek has not just on the game, but on the other players around him, right? Like what what he brings to the table for for Deck, um, which we saw Declan getting forward more recently as well, because I think Suchek is really good at reading when Declan's going to go forward and when, you know, Suchek should, you know, when he should drop back in order to be that additional coverage for the defense. And I think that's incredibly important to have that, that, that cognizance, uh, that game, uh, acuity to really understand what you're doing and, or sorry, uh, acumen to really understand what's going on around you and how you can best impact, uh, uh, the, the game as it, as it progresses. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I think if you don't look at, I, I would say Suchek and Ogbana would probably be like my two top contenders for hammer of the year this year. You know, it's Thomas Suchek has been a revelation. And I remember when we signed him and we saw a picture of him and I was like, this guy, this is the guy we're <laughs> signing. I mean, cause I, I, I'm not trying to be mean to Thomas Suchek in any way stretching it, but he does not look like he's the best athlete in the world. He just, no. he doesn't, but it's very clear that he is. And it's very clear that he plays a style of football that really fits what David Moyes wants to do. And, and we have to start looking at what David Moyes is accomplishing right now. Because what's happening at West Ham United, we have not seen this since Slavin Bilic's first year. And look, Slavin Bilic loved the man will always, but it's been proven now when you know hindsight is 2020. Without Dimitri Pyatt, what is that team? Right. You know, because Dimitri Pyatt, when he went down for those four games, West Ham United had three draws and a loss. Yeah. You know, and so it's very clear that that team was built around one player. Um, and that one player was very special in Dimitri Pyatt. But right now, what David Moyes is doing at West Ham United, it's almost like next man up mentality. Somebody goes down and we think, oh, crap, this guy's got to play. And it it doesn't really matter. And we're starting to clean out, you know, these old signings that don't really fit the system anymore. Sebastian Haller is now officially gone. He's a part of IX. We took a $20 million loss on that, which is uh, poor, poor business. And, you know, the board's going to have to eat that. But I put that more on Manuel Pellegrini and um, Huslos more than anything. Not, I don't put it on the board as much. I think, I think the board got burned by Pellegrini pretty bad. Well, and one thing that's interesting, though, with the, the Sebastian Haller, um, Situation, and this was something that I I was un, unfortunately unable to verify, uh, but it was information that was uh, put out into like Twitter and and the internet. Is that um that technically we only lost four point eight million on a layer. Uh, the forty five million actually included add ons, uh, which were never met by a layer. Like whether it was goals, appearances. Um, he had like a $5 million bonus for a 20 plus goal season season, which obviously he didn't have. There was a $10 million bonus for getting, um, us into Europe, which obviously hadn't happened. And another 5 million bonus for winning, um, for, uh, gaining, I think it was like five out of 10 international or winning five out of 10 international caps, which at the time when we was brought on, he was still with France. But then obviously once he changed over to Ivory coast, it was a much more, uh, distinct possibility that he was going to be able to at least achieve that bonus, which I mean, would have been another 5 million. So the actual fee that we paid was about 25.4 all, all like all in on Alaire. So 
I don't think we took as heavy as a loss. We kind of broke even with him. And I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think that he had enough um, productivity while with us to really warrant even the 25 million. I mean, to, for me, if we had said like, oh, we paid 10 or 12 million for that striker, I'd have been like, okay, that's fine. We we got 10 to 12 million out of him. But I, I personally don't feel like we got 25 and definitely nowhere near 45 million for the guy. So it, it was still poor business. Um, but as you were saying, I think this was the kind of those last remnants of the, the, um, Pellegrini Husilios uh, group. Although we do have to keep in consideration that um, Balbuena was also uh, Balbuena and Diop were also brought in during that period. But obviously, at least Balbuena has worked out really well this season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you're right, Balbuena and Balbuena. Remember, he he's been on a roller coaster at West Ham United. You know, there was a time he was in the doghouse, and then now he's back out. And he's playing very good. And, you know, it's an adjustment to play Premier League football, especially from where he came from. It was a pretty big step up in class. Yeah. But ba- back to David Moyes here. Um, over those those five games, he had some interesting team selections. But I, I look back at those selections and I think might that may have been on necessity, trying to rest guys. There's a, you know, the Christmas period is rough on any Premier League team. It's a ton of games and then the FA Cup starts back up. So over this holiday period, there's so much a Premier League team has to do. And I, I want to say West Ham played five games in a span of of like 18 or 19 days, yeah. which is, yeah. which is an insane, it's an insane amount of games um, at a, as a, for a professional soccer player to play. And the fact that we came through that and we were, we, we were, we had points. We didn't just shit the bed on that was pretty impressive. So it begs the question for me to ask this on David Moyes. And it's probably more for me, but I'm going to let you answer first here. How far do you think David Moyes can take us at, with this team as currently constructed? I know it's hard because we know we're in the transfer window. We know there's going to be players coming in. But right now, as this team is constructed, where do you honestly see them finishing in the table? Uh, I mean, right now, as it's constructed with Alaire gone and literally our only striker, a hamstring injury-prone Mikel Antonio, um, I think we probably sit right about where we are, around 10th. I think we sit around mid-table. Uh, I think you bring in an additional striker, uh, especially with some of the names that we've been we've been linked with. Which, let's be honest, in every transfer window, we're linked with about 1,000 uh, different names, 999 of which none of us have ever fucking heard of. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a little bit interesting. I think that Moyes has, and I've said this before, he has gotten the best out of the players that he has available. I think even Alaire towards the end, we started seeing him be more productive. You and I had talked about um, seeing him move a bit more. And then, you know, even though, you know, he wasn't impacting games the same way that Mickey does, you know, he was still trying. And I think that's super important. Lanzini in the Stockport game, right? Incredibly important to see him running his ass off like that uh, because it shows that these guys are buying into you know, Moise's philosophy and what he wants to see on the pitch, what he wants to see from his starting 11. Uh, and for some of these guys, even to make the game day 18 is massive. Like we've seen with, with Diop, not even making the the bench on certain matches. Uh, you know, I, so I think at the end of the day, yeah, I think we are right, right about now. I'd say we're about what our points say we are, uh, which is, you know, we're, we're 10th. I think that we could probably move up a couple spaces. I don't particularly think that we'll finish in the top six. 
Uh, I think seven would be a little bit of a stretch, but I would say anywhere between eight, nine, and ten. Um, I would, I would, I'd be comfortable, and I would actually say that was a a good season. Uh, you know, really based on what Moyes has brought in and the difficulty it is to work with this board. What about you, man? What do you think? Uh, so here, here's my deal with West Ham United, and I'm I'm currently looking at the table, and I'm thinking about David Moyes, and I'm thinking about his inability to make impact substitutions on a consistent basis. I'm thinking about the fact that his face looks like a draw. And so, you know, when I'm breaking it down, I have to put a lot of personal feelings aside here, and I have to look at the results, Liam. And when I look at them, I honestly think West Ham United can finish in eighth place. And I'm, I'm and hear, hear me out. As the table currently sits, there are – there are probably two teams behind West Ham United that are going to end up finishing above them, okay? And those two teams that are behind West Ham right now that I think will end up finishing above them, one of them I know you're not going to agree with, but I do think Arsenal will right the ship, and I think they're probably going to rise. Um, and I also think Wolves will right the ship, and they're probably going to rise. And, and Wolves, um, Wolves just have enough talent, and we got a win on them, but that's only one. We have to prove it. And so when we get the return on them, maybe that changes. And then I would say there is at least two teams in front of West Ham United that I think will fade, and they will fall back. And that's going to push, for me, push West Ham up to eighth or ninth. That's kind of where I'm going to put them. I think West Ham are going to overtake Aston Villa and Southampton. I think we're right. better um, than Aston Villa. And I think we're better than Southampton. I know Southampton are playing out of their minds. I know they are. But they were never going to be able to maintain it. Um, managers were going to figure out what to do against them once somebody had some success. And, you know, and we we kept them out of the goal. And yeah. I really believe that we will we will do that. But I, I think West Ham will be above somebody that people think we shouldn't be above. And I think that's what's going to get us into that ninth, eighth position. Um, I don't see us finishing any lower than ninth, but I don't right now finish any higher than eighth. Um, now we move into the interesting part, which is now we're going to get into the transfers, which I think is the interesting thing. Because I agree with you when you say, depending on who comes in, that could change my whole prediction. And right now, at the, when you look, we have uh, Sebastian Haller is gone. Um, we do need to give a quick uh, three-second moment of silence for Robert Snodgrass. Freedom. <laughs> um, man, that I, was a hard. That was a heartbreaker, though, man. Like it was I, tough. I, I know you were on. You were on tears and. I was just stunned. I I really thought they were going to get let Snotty finish out his career at West Ham. I was I was floored with a you know with them turning. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have shouldn't have been surprised because the board have, have never really been behind Robert Snodgrass. So I think as soon as they saw dollar signs around him or pound signs around him, they were going to fucking fold. But I thought Moyes would want to hold on to him. I mean, fellow Scots. He's relied on Snotty to come in and, and be a game changer in multiple instances, um, especially last season. I mean, honestly, look at those games at the end of last season. Snodgrass was clutch. Um, so it's it's heartbreaking to see him go. And you could tell that he didn't want to go. Yeah, and it's the fact is he's going to be a regular starter for West Brom. 
Um, and you know, he's in my opinion, and I've said this a million times on this, on this podcast, he is the best set piece deliverer of the ball that I think West Ham's ever had. Matt Jarvis was pretty good. Um, Aaron Cresswell is playing out of his mind this year with it. He's doing an incredible job as a pure body of work at the time they've been wearing the Claret and blue. Nobody's delivered the ball better on a corner or a set piece than Robert Snodgrass. Um, And I absolutely um, am gutted that he's gone. I'm gutted, but I get it. And the fact that we even got any money for him at all, I think is impressive because he is an aging player. Um, And you know, he's going to score a goal on us when we play West Brom. We need to prepare for it. And um, he's probably not going to celebrate it, and everybody's going to tip their hat. It's going to be a little tear-shed moment because Snotty is – is there has never been a player that's come into West Ham United under more scrutiny. Nobody's ever been shit on more. And let's not get it wrong. The fans were against him when he was signed. Um it's been well documented the what what the board has said about him and even family members of the board and what they've said about him, um, i.e. Jack Sullivan. And you know, you look at the situation and this guy had every he had every right to throw his toys on the pitch and say, Sell me, I don't want to be here. But he didn't do it that way. He went out on loan and dominated on loan and proved something while he was on loan and then came back to West Ham United fought for his place and became an impact player. And at one point was a regular starter, a second or third name on the team sheet. So no matter what anybody ever says about Robert Snodgrass, Robert Snodgrass represented the Claret and blue better than any West Ham player that I have seen in a long time. Um, Obviously, you know, that's excluding Mark Noble. Mark Noble is Mr. West Ham, but (laughs) the guy, I mean, he's, He's going to be sorely missed. Um, one of my biggest regrets in life is not buying a Snodgrass kit. And <laughs> now I can't. I guess I guess I could get on there and create one, but right. Um, you know, Snotty is a guy that I would be proud to wear his kit around, proud to put his name on my back and uh, represent that player. Um, and I'm always going to be pulling for him, just not when uh, West Brom play West Ham United. You know. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, we're gonna miss you, Snotty. Um, that that's gonna bring us into the transfer rumors. I think we needed to we need to say those things about the man that um, um, represented the Claret and Blue better than anybody that I've ever seen outside of Mark Noble. Um, so when we talk about these transfers, we we're down a striker, we're down another winger. I although I feel like we're fine at winger. I feel like we've got enough there. But like you said, we have one recognized striker at the club. And some people don't recognize Mikel Antonio as a striker. So that tells you we almost have none um, at our, at the club right now. Obviously West Ham United are in They're linked. Any striker in the world they're linked with. I heard they put in a bid for Sergio Aguero. They were trying to give away their firstborn child and three virgins. I don't know if that's going to work, but you know, the truth, the truth is Liam, there's a bunch of rumors out there. Uh, give us a quick rundown of the ones that you think are most likely to be heading to West Ham United. Well, I mean, we we heard a whole bunch of them, right? Everything from Arnie the bastard coming back to us putting a bid in for Olivier Giroud. God forbid. Um, you know, we've had. You don't some... want to have the underwear model on the team. He's an underwear fuck. model. 
For fuck's sake, no. Um, you know, Dembele was somebody that uh, we were linked to early before the transfer window really opened, and he had straight up said that he was not interested, especially with Atletico um, Madrid, uh, possibly uh, putting interest in the Leon striker. Um, Ismalia Sar from Watford. Uh, there was also talk about Adam Slozek, uh, which is another Czech national, and he's only 18 years old. And there was a, a, a lot of... Um, uh, kind of uh, uh, build up around that player, you know, one with him being young, uh, two with him obviously also having that check tie with uh, uh, Suchek and Sufal. Uh, so, you know, probably not a bad, a bad shout, especially for somebody that young that could probably come in and be a really strong backup to Mikel Antonio and then potentially take his place as Mikel continues to get older in age. Uh, the other two big ones that we really had was Daka um, over at RB Salzburg. Uh, but it seems like his uh, management team has poured water on the uh, on the fire on that one, basically saying that he is completely committed to RB Salzburg uh, and that at this time they're not entertaining uh, any offers for him. The other one that is the big one is uh, uh, Boule Dia, uh, who is a uh, a striker in the French uh, Liga 1 for Reims. Uh, he's 24 years old. He's been said to be one of our top targets in January. And the thing that's really interesting about him that he's actually scored 12 goals so far this season, which is tied uh, with uh, Mbappe at the top of the league. And it's interesting, too, because the team, uh, Reims, is actually like 14th. So they're not, you know, high up on the table. And you would think normally that they would want to maintain a striker with that sort of goal production uh, in order to continue to keep them climbing the table and out of relegation. Uh, but at that price tag, if we're willing to pay it, it seems like that was an offer uh, that they, they basically offered it to West Ham and that we may be pulling the trigger. So if we do pull in the Senegalese uh, striker, uh, that may be somebody that at 24, we could get several years of production out of. And if the price is right, it might actually be somebody that we could sell on uh, a couple of years down the road to actually turn a profit for once on a player. Oh man. So I, a lot of rumors, there are a lot of names. I'm going to be honest with you. Every time we're linked with people, it's these crazy guys. And I, you know, I, I had to stop myself a couple of years ago from watching, you know, you'll find you get on YouTube and you'll type in West Ham transfers and then you'll see these highlight videos of these guys and the highlight videos. What do they do? They show their highlights. They show what they're good at. You don't get to see them play a whole game. So I'm always weary of a bunch of, a bunch of names I do not know, but you know, just the same way I wouldn't assign Thomas Suchek. And that's exactly why I'm not running West Ham United because I would have looked at this picture and go, I'm not, I'm not signing that guy. And Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Suchek has clearly been, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit there and faux pas any of these names, but I do want to be the pessimistic person and say I'm very unsure. Um, and so that leads me to this question. You know, you look at all the rumors, we can go back and forth. Let me ask you this question, Liam. What do you think West Ham United's game plan should be in this, this transfer market? Who would you like to see them bring in? And I'm not necessarily saying like names. Maybe you do have actual names that you want. But really, I'm asking... How many players do you want to see him bring in and at what positions? So, I mean, when we were kind of talking about this before, I actually like the idea of um, of signing Craig Dawson full on because what that does is it opens up another loan 
option for us that we can actually bring in another player. And whether you want to, you know, pilfer the championship, which seems to be, you know, Moise's strong suit at this point, uh, which that's fine. If he can identify the talent that he thinks is going to uh, add something to the team, then by, you know, by all means, let's do it. Uh, he seems to be a fan of Meepo, um, which I think would be really good uh, to give somebody that we brought in from Manchester United into the academy system uh, that we could build into first team minutes. Because let's be honest, since... Uh, Declan Rice, we really haven't seen anybody else come out of the academy and really make that first-team impact. I mean, with Ben Johnson, you know, yeah, he's on the team sheet now, but I think that's more due to injury than for him being a player that Moyes really looks at as like a game-changer, you know, week in and week out. Uh, so for me, it's got to be another striker, man. Like, now that Alaire is gone, um, you know, Moyes had talked about possibly playing something like a false nine you know, where he could have Lanzini or Benrama or Bowen, who Bowen did play as a striker on occasion while he was in the championship before getting pulled up uh, to West Ham, which which is important, right? Because I think he had like a 17-goal season. I think Benrama had something similar. You know, a lot of goal productions out of somebody that could potentially play that that forward position. For me, those are, those are our stronger midfielders. And do you have enough other individuals that can play behind them to play the ball up? Like we look at somebody like Yarmolenko, right? Who plays striker for his national team, but when played in our system has not really worked, right? He hasn't worked as a lone striker when played. Um, I would even go so far as to say in the last couple matches, when especially when he started, I think he loses the ball almost more than anybody because he holds on to it just for like two or three dribbles too many and the ball gets taken off of him and then all of a sudden we're we're on the back heel as the other team leads the counterattack. So I don't even look at him as a viable starter at this point because I just don't think he knows how to play with the people around him. Um, whereas I think that he did do really well at the end of last season with the 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 setup that Moyes had at the end of the the 2019-2020 season I think Yarmo actually did pretty well and was very, fairly impactful off the bench so I think that we do need to look at um, a better striking option because I don't think pulling midfielders into the striker position is going to work with every single midfielder that Moyes has. Um, and then on the backside of that, I think we do still need uh, some support on the wings. Uh, I think that we saw Fredericks is not quite the player that he used to be, and he's not Sufal. Uh, and while Cresswell is, it can get forward, he does need to either be given the the third center back position so he can hang back and let a wing back. Uh, jump forward for him or he needs somebody on that left-hand side that can uh, balance some of that defensive duty so that way he's not overrun on that side because you saw that uh, especially I want to say in the Everton game where they were really trying to overlap uh, uh, on the on the wings to try to push those the two fullbacks um, you know pin them back in those corners and that's obviously not what we want uh, if we're trying to play the balls in from the wing to the massive amount of individuals that we have that are over six foot that we know can put the ball in the back of the net what about you what are the main things that you're looking for right now I, I, I got to respectfully disagree and tell you, I think we're fine on the wings. You know, Arthur Masawaku's on his way back. If, if he's not going to be back this week, uh, he's very close. Um, I like Ben Johnson. Cresswell can play there. Ben Arama can play there. Bowen can play there. Um, I, I think we have plenty of options at wing. And, and remember, we have Nathan Holland who's a very interesting player who I've, I firmly believe Moyes planned on giving minutes to in that game against Stockport. The problem was we played so poorly for such a large stretch of that game. 
Um, we needed to get back into it. And by the time we got into it, the window to bring on a, a young guy like Holland isn't there. So I, I honestly believe that we have enough to cover the wings. And I agree, even if we don't make it a permanent move and we have and we maintain that loan with Dawson, I think we're fine. This is where I'm worried. We absolutely need a holding midfield cover for Declan or Suchek. Um, and I'm not saying it needs to be a like-for-like like replacement, but it's very clear that Mark Noble isn't going to be able to be that guy um, that we want him to be. You know, I, I knew it coming into the seasons why I bought this home kit with Mark Noble's name on the back because I knew this is probably his last year as a full-time player for us. And he's probably after this season, only going to be playing in the um, only going to be playing in cup games. I just, that's just what I believe. I think we need somebody that can come in and do a job in that holding midfield area. And I've heard rumors that Issa Diop have, they've been looking at him to be that guy. And they've also been looking at him to do that up front up top. And I've heard just, all sorts of crazy things. I think Diop is this player that they're starting to evaluate differently, starting to look at what else he can do, because I think they're starting to realize that it's going to be a really hard for him to get back on the pitch as a center back right now. Um, it's going to be really tough for him. So I think we, I think one of the biggest things probably where I would spend the majority of the money, um, I would, you know, 30% of whatever we have would be bringing in somebody that can give us cover at that holding midfield Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek role. The other, the rest of the money has to go where you said it has to go for strikers. And I think, I think the best move for West Ham United would bring in an established player that's done it before that, that is, you know, done it at the premier league level that we don't have to worry about. We know what they are. We know what we're getting. Um, IE a Josh King, you know, somebody like that. Um, and then the other player, I, I like the Senegalese kid. Um, you know, I like what you said about him coming out of the French league. I also like the 18 year old from, uh, Slavia Prague. That, that's a guy that, you know, has ties to Suchek and Sufal. Um, I, I like that shout as well. Um, I think you bring in an established guy and then you take a little bit of a gamble. If you can get a guy on a decent price, um, but there's a player lurking out there when I say an established player that I think we have to have a little discussion on. And I think every West Ham fan, it kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck when you say his name. But you also remember what he did when he was wearing the claret and blue. And one of those established players that West Ham United have been linked with, and I, I honestly believe it's just a matter of time until he's reannounced as a West Ham United player, that is the snake himself. Marco Analtovich. Um Liam, <laughs> Liam I, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion, and I, I think he's coming. And I, I think it's um, a situation where I found out that there's still people at the club that like him. Um, there's still players that he's very close to. Um, remember, David Moyes is the guy that changed Marco, Analtovich's, Marco Analtovich's career. Took him off the wing, put him up front. He started scoring goals, and then Marco became, you know, the Marco that we know, where he thinks he's better than everybody. So, I kind of like that mentality in a striker. I have to admit it. I want you to be a little bit of a selfish dick, a little bit of a cunt. I want you to be a bastard, kind of like Robert Lewandowski is for Bayern Munich. 
you know, if Robert Lewandowski doesn't score the goal, he's pissed off. I want that <laughs> player. Robert Lewandowski is a phenomenal player. I'm not saying Marco's on his level, but I have to ask you this question. Do you want Marco back? Yes or no? And why? Um, no. And I'll tell you why is because he is on 300,000 pounds a week it, uh, for what is it, SIP Shanghai, SIPG Shanghai um, in the, uh, the Chinese Super League. So even if, and this is a big if that he was willing to take a price cut uh, or a pay cut to be able to to come here, it's still going to be massive. Like it's still going to be way too much money. And I think that even though he is friendly with, I, I don't know how many people still on the team, but I'm sure there's some that are holdovers. We also do have a decent amount of new guys on this squad, like with Bowen, with Ben Rama, with Sufal, with Suchek, with Dawson. Um, I'm not willing to take the chance that you bring Marco back and he disrupts the locker room the way that he did prior to his his uh, departure, let's say. And I get it. Like, I know he's not going to try to pull the same thing twice. At least you would think that he's smart enough to not do that. But I just think there's too much, um, there's too much to potentially lose by bringing him back that you that you could gain by taking that same money and spending it exactly on what you said before, right? Bring in one person that's established that has, you know, a, a decent track record and then somebody that's younger that you're taking a little bit of a chance on uh, with the hopes that they will develop into that role and then you could eventually either... Um, mold them into the perfect striker for for the squad or that you develop them to the point that you can sell them off uh, to another club for for to turn a profit. But for me personally, I just don't think Marco um, is the guy. I think it's, it's for it'd be the same thing for Payet, man. Like if they wanted to bring Payet back, he's not the same player that he was in 2015, 2016. Like every year we all get older and we, you know, think, our abilities change. Our abilities shift. I don't think I don't think Marco's the guy anymore. But I know I know in my heart of hearts that you're gonna disagree with me here because, <laughs> like Marco, you are also a bastard. So lay it on me. I I'm gonna tell you everything you said is 100 percent correct, and I don't disagree with anything. And as shocked as you may hear, I would bring Marco Naltovich back under certain circumstances. Number one, I would not buy him. It would be a loan. Um, so SIPG would have to agree to some type of loan. And the reason why is because to me, I can get out of a loan in case he starts pulling shit again. Um, but if you ask me, this is how I look at it. As West Ham United, when you look at all the strikers that you mentioned earlier, I mentioned Josh King and I've mentioned Marco Anatovich, and you put all those in a pool. <laughs> The, the one that strikes fear into the hearts of anybody that are playing is Marco. Marco is the guy that's the best of that bunch. Marco's better than Josh King. He's better than every other name you listed. So it's not really about how I feel about him. It's about that's the best option. And we also know, well, does he work in Moise's system? Yeah, Moise's system made him yeah. what he is. So it's kind of a situation where I go, do we have a manager that can keep Marco in line? Yes, David Moyes. Okay? Because David Moyes is going to play to his ego. David Moyes knows how to do it. As much shit as I talk on David Moyes, David Moyes knows how to handle Marco Anatovich. Okay? So I don't think you're going to get an issue there. Remember, Marco's issues didn't start until Pellegrini was here. Right. You know, And that's because Pellegrini let him do whatever he wanted. Um, 
Marco is one of those players that plays his best football under heavy structure. So he cannot be Marco Anatovich. He has to do what he's told, and he's really good at that. And so he's going to buck against the system because he's a bastard, but he's our bastard. You know, he is the West Ham created bastard. You know, so I I would like to see him don the claret and blue, but only in a loan situation and only um, if um, we can't go get Josh King because I think Marco is better than Josh King, but I would rather have Josh King for one main reason. Josh King is more like uh, Mikel Antonio than anybody else. Right now he's not Mikel Antonio. He doesn't have the pace or the physicality, but he's got enough pace and enough physicality that we can still kind of do the same things with him out there. And so I think that that's massive and he can actually do something that Sebastian Hilaire could not. And that's hold up play. He could hold the ball up, um, which is kind of nice. So when it comes to Marco Naltovich, it's a very interesting situation. And I, I firmly believe he's coming. I, 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 if I, I kind of hope I'm wrong, but I kind of hope I'm not. It's just a weird, I, I feel very strangely about it because he left the club as such, in such a shitty way that it's hard for me to want to bring him back. But I could totally see David Moyes walking into the office and saying, yes, this is the guy I want. Let's make this happen. And I think he's done enough this year that he actually has a, a small bit of weight he can throw around in that boardroom. Well, we saw that. We saw that at the, I want to say the transfer window in the summer, right? Where the board kept trying to push players on Moyes and Moyes was like, no, no, I'm not bringing him in. No, I don't want that player. I don't want that one. And uh, fucking the dwarf even went so far to go on like talk sport and even talked about the fact he was like, well, you know, we kept, you know, uh, putting players in front of Moyes for him to consider. And he kept telling us no. So it's not that we weren't trying. And it's like, no, you were just trying to get, you know, players on the cheap <laughs> and Moyes wasn't having it. Moyes is very particular about the type of player he wants to bring in. And I'm with you, man. Like the rumors were there that Moyes was saying he wanted Marco back because he he knew that was the type of player that could make an impact on, on the squad. And I, I agree. I think that Marco would absolutely come in and, and produce goals. Uh, and if he does like, fuck man, I'll still support. Like, I'll you know, I'm not going to, jump ship just because of one shitty ass player that left us in a, a, a terrible bout of circumstances. But also remember he left Stoke for West Ham in, in a similar way. So he was kind of a bastard before he even came to West Ham. <laughs> I think we just, we just amplified it. We, we, you know, it was exponentially increased uh, bastardry uh, once he was donning the Claret and blue. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to watch this play out for the transfer. No. And as a West Ham fan, you know, it's only January 14th. Uh, we will not make any signings until the 11th hour. So, <laughs> as like, always. Um, yeah. That's just the way it is. We never get our business done, you know, on time. We're not, we're not that kind of club because we penny pinch. They, they say 20 million. We come back and say, well, we'll give you 8 million plus. We'll <laughs> let you get, We'll let you see our wife's titties, who used to be a porn star, nonetheless. Let's, but now they're a director, so they can get into games, because that's oh what's really God. important. Oh, yeah. we're going to go into that next week, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, this is it's match preview time uh, as we wrap towards the end of the show here. Uh, West Ham United uh, have a home game at the London Stadium this weekend. Um, it's 7 a.m. out here on the left coast, and over there on the east coast, it will be at 10.00. 
10 a.m. for you guys. Um, we play Burnley, and Sean Dyche is uh, coming to the <laughs> London Stadium uh, with his team. Burnley on a decent run right now. They've been playing better of late. I wouldn't say that they're doing phenomenal as they sit down in 16th place. Um, their last game, uh, they look, they lost their last game to man United, but they only lost one Oh and man United are sitting at the top of the table right now. So Burnley losing that game one Oh, as weird as it sounds, not a bad game for them. Um, I think it's going to fill them with a little bit of confidence. Um, as they, as they move forward, uh, this season, um, they, they, they're, they're on a, Decent run. They've, you know, they've won two, lost one, and drawn one in their in their last Premier League games. Uh, their most recent win was against Sheffield. But you know what Burnley's going to be, Liam? They're a team that's going to play dirty football. They're gonna they're gonna be very tight at the back, tough to break down. They're gonna try to find a chance on a set piece or a counter attack, and that's how they beat you. Uh, Sean Dyche has never been blessed with great players. Um, he has to do, you know. Him and Eddie Howe are two managers I've always said have had to do more with less than anybody else. So yeah. the fact that Bournemouth stayed in the Premier League as long as they did before they got relegated this last year tells me that, you know, Eddie Howe is a great manager that doesn't really get the credit he probably deserves. Same thing with Sean Dyche. He ends up finding a way to get the most out of guys that nobody else wants, yeah. you know? Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, you know, it's going to be uh, an ugly, you know, brute type game for West Ham United. Um, so we're going to go in. What team selection do you expect to see in this game, Liam? Or would you like to see? Well, I think it, it probably won't be a far cry from what we saw against uh, Stockport at the end, right? Not at the beginning, but at the end of the match. Uh, I think Fabianski in goal, as opposed to to Randolph, of course. And then you've got Sufal, Dawson, Ogbana, and Kress uh, across the back four. Because what I'm told, or what, what I've been hearing, is that... Uh, no, no, we'll, we'll rephrase it. From what I've been told from the club, is that Balbuena is isolating. So he probably won't be available <laughs> for selection for Burnley. Um, I think at that point, you've obviously got your double pivot with Suchek and Rice. And then I've got a middle uh, a midfield three of Bowen, Lanzini, and Benrama. And then I've got Antonio up top because let's be honest, we don't have any other fucking strikers anymore. So uh, the, my bench is probably going to be Randall, Fredericks, Diop, Noble, Fornals, Yarmo, and Johnson. Uh, and that's just for Fornals. I think he still hasn't um, quite get, regained his stride that he had in those early matches. I think the last couple ones he's been a little bit off and it seems like Lanzini is gaining a little bit more momentum. Uh, and I think with a back four, I think that Moyes prefers having Lanzini in the middle um, but we'll see. Maybe Ben Rama gets dropped and Fornals gets another shot over there on the wing. What about for you? I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You, you nailed the starting lineup that I would put out, but well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Fornals is going to start. I think oh. he will play Fornals over Ben Harama. I right. think I, it's very clear with Moyes and it's, it's, he's proven this. If it's not Moyes' player, he has a real hard time buying in. And remember Ben Harama is not Moise's selection. Right. He was sold on Ben Harama, but he doesn't. And I know Ben Harama gives the ball away a little too much for David Moyes. David Moyes wants to hang on to the ball and Ben Harama is a playmaker. He's going to try the pass. I, I think Ben Harama should start. Um, that's the player I would start. Um, but for nows, I think we'll get the start because I think Moyes 
knows exactly what Fornals is. He likes that work rate, and and we know it. He's going to run his socks off. And Benarama can come in and be a super sub coming in the 65th minute if fucking Moyes will make a timely substitution. So that that's what I think. Um, there's a few injury updates this week. Uh, what are the? I mean, it's just Arthur Masawaku, but update us on Arthur real quick. So Arthur has been back in training, uh, which is incredibly important, right? Like we were expecting him to be out till end of February uh, after his knee surgery, but it looks like he's already trying to push through, uh, get, you know, get his legs back under him. So uh, they haven't given a definitive uh, uh, turnaround time for him, but we're, you know, obviously West Ham faithful, we're all hopeful that, you know, at least by end of January, we may at least see him on the bench. Yeah, it's going to be big to get him back. It's going to we're going to get back to that formation where it seemed like nobody could figure us out because we can put Arthur on the field and then I just imagine Arthur and then right in front of him Ben Harama and what that could end up being. Yeah. You know, two very very skilled players uh that could do some serious damage. Um Okay, it's time for match prediction time. Give it give me a final score and your man of the match. Um, I think that we keep the clean sheet. I still think it's going to be a pretty tight, uh, a tight game. I think I'm going to, I'm going to shout two nil, uh, to the Cockney boys. I think both, uh, goals come off of set pieces. Suchek with one because it's fucking Tommy Suchek, man. <laughs> like he just, he knows, how, he knows how to do it. Um, I think the other one will actually come off of, uh, uh, Antonio still off of a set piece, but I think it'll probably be like a scrum in the box and Antonio just gets away with a little flick on. Um, I, I think regardless if he starts or not, I think the final is going to be 1-0, and I think Ben Harama gets the goal. Nice. And I think I think Ben Harama has been playing too good. He's had too many opportunities. He's going to he's going to wow us. His goal is going to be something special. Um, I think it's going to be outside the 18, a curler into the far corner. Um, I cannot wait to watch because I think once this guy gets a goal, Oh, he's going to take off. The yeah. confidence is going to rise because when you watch Ben Harama play, he is dangerous. And I really like this player. Um, and I think that he deserves a goal. And I think this is the game where he gets it because I don't think there's anybody in that defense of Burnley that can stop his ability to to uh, create space and get a goal. Who's your man of the match? Uh, so for me, it's probably gonna be Declan Rice. Uh, you know, I I love to see the the banter on Twitter where people are just trying to, they're still trying to figure out whether or not he's the greatest de- defensive midfielder in the in the league. And I'll I'll answer it for them because I know it's a burning question everybody has. He fucking is, and there's nobody that even comes close. And I don't care if you are a West Ham fan or not. Everybody knows it. They just try to downplay it because they can't admit that there's a West Ham player that's better than the rest in the fucking league. So yeah, it's going to be Declan Rice. I, I can't decide who my my man of the match is going to be, but I'm going to give you the two players it might be. Okay, I think it could be Aaron Cresswell. Nice. And I or I think it could be Jared Bowen. And let me tell you why, because it depends on how West Ham play. I, I can tell you who it's going to be after the first 10 minutes, <laughs> because it all depends on how they're going to play. If they're if Cresswell is setting the pace, if he's the one constantly d- being in the uh, pinging the ball around the field, then it's going to be Aaron Cresswell, because I think he's going to be the guy that ends up getting the assist on the goal to Benarama. But if they're feeding it to Bowen and Bowen is bombing down that right side and getting that cut in, I think it could be Bowen because he's going to start drawing so much attention and he could be the one that sends that pass 
over to Ben Harama and then Ben Harama puts it home. So it's going to be one of those two players. I just, I just want to see how they're going to play in the first 10 minutes. So I, I know that you're supposed to decide on this show and I apologize, but <laughs> it's either going to be Aaron Cresswell or it's going to be Jared Bowen. It all just depends on how they're playing. You're pussyfooting around Tex. Come on. You gotta, you gotta commit to one. And honestly, I actually like your shout for Bowen because he was a hugely impactful sub. When he came on against Stockport, he immediately was giving him fits on that right side. So um, okay. I like I like the Bowen shout. I'm gonna make my call now. It's gonna be Aaron Cresswell. You said Bowen. I'm gonna go against you. It's gonna be <laughs> you're Aaron such a, you're, you're such a bag of dicks. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna chalk that up. I'm gonna chalk that up to COVID. You douche. <laughs> You got to love this show. All right. It's time for everybody's favorite part of the uh, show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Uh, Liam, hit me with your yellow. Fucking COVID. Twice, Tex. Fucking COVID twice. Uh, I mean, you you are you are the man, the myth, the legend. You are the, the pulse that keeps, keeps my heart racing while we do this show. Um, but, you know, it's... It's not just that. It's it's how it's affecting everyone across the world. It's how it's um, really changing even the way that we have interactions with each other. Like I see people down each other's throats about this. Like, oh, it's a hoax. Oh, it's not a hoax. Why do I need to wear a mask? You need to wear a mask. I just I hate the division that it's causing. I hate that it's keeping uh, fans out of the uh, um, you know out out of the stadiums. I hate that it's giving advantages to teams like. Everton and Man City that they get to like cancel matches and push it back. You know, it just, it, it, it's, it's creating so many problems. Um, and it's hitting close to home, obviously with you, like, thank goodness that you're asymptomatic and you're not feeling anything, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are getting hit pretty hard. So, you know, touch wood, hopefully, you know, nothing comes at you other than the the massive diarrhea that you usually get at the end of the week. So how about you? I, I- I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Just to comment on that, COVID is real. Um, I, I'm currently COVID positive. I am asymptomatic, but nonetheless, I would never be able to live with myself if they gave it to somebody and put them in the hospital. Like I would never be able to live with myself. So I am quarantining, staying inside. Um, I'm getting real acquainted with my couch and different movies that are not that good, but I continue to watch them. And your um, right hand. <laughs> no comment. Um, my my yellow card is going to go to the West Ham fans, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out here because this is. This is the shit that always pisses me off. West Ham fans are some of the worst fans when it comes to being prisoners of the moment. And what I can't stand is, look, we did not play well against Stockport. Okay. We did not. And I don't want anybody. I'm not, I'm not arguing, but the amount of flack that the team received, including David Moyes guys, David Moyes put out one hell of a strong side. Yes. He put out a pretty strong team. I cannot stand David Moyes. I have been very vocal about it. The man looks like a fucking draw. Okay. His face looks like it. We all know that his wife is plain and boring. We know that. We know (laughs) that we know that when he eats food, there's no salt or pepper on it. It is bland. All right. So my point is with him is that West Ham United fans need to understand it's an away match at night in the rain on a shitty pitch with a bunch of Premier League players that are used to playing on a pristine pitch. So they had to dig in. They had to find a way to get a goal, and we did. Okay? We won the game. At at no point, really, did they threaten us. They had one decent opportunity and ended up not being that good because they can't finish. Um, I mean, shit. It was a very interesting game, but nonetheless, I want to caution yellow card all West Ham fans. 
Don't pile on a team when they find a way to win. That's what good teams are supposed to do. They find a way to win even when they don't play well. That's exactly what West Ham United did. Hit me with your red card. It's going to go to the GSB, the board themselves, the pain in my ass, the fucking pimple in the inside of my ear. They... It is so frustrating that every transfer window, we literally go through the same thing where we're linked to fucking everybody. And like I said, 99% of the people, none of us have ever heard of, but we're trying to get excited watching highlight reels and bullshit. And we know, as you alluded to before, they're going to wait till the 11th hour to make a decision. And it's not going to be the one any of us ever thought or wanted. So, I mean, just get your head out of your ass, do your business early, get it done so we can move forward. Stop dragging it out. Fucking every transfer window. What about you, man? Who's getting the red this week? Well, the red card goes to two people. Um, Actually, I'm going to make that three people, and this is it. <laughs> the red card goes to a combination of these three people, Liam Bright, Kyle Thornton, or Tex, <laughs> and fucking David Moyes. It goes, to Ky- it goes to me and you, Liam, or you and I, excuse me. God, I'm an English teacher, and I just said me and you. That's your first it goes time. To, <laughs> it, goes to, <laughs> it goes to you and I because we, we've been bad about doing this show on a consistent basis. We're trying to get better. Red card to us. We'll punish ourselves. Um We'll make ourselves watch Winnie the Pooh with children and we'll have to deal with that and learn all the songs. I do that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess my punishment is you're going to have to zoom me and I'll watch it with you and Remy. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but then you'll you'll probably enjoy it because you fucking love Remy. So you're like, oh, that's fine. (laughs) Um, Then on the flip side, I got to give it to David Moyes. Um, Dude, he did an interview and the shot of the interview in the backdrop. I don't know if you saw this picture. But David, don't make it worse on yourself when you have the word cunt written behind you <laughs> while you're doing an interview. David, what the fuck? That, that Again, you're just adding to the legend of that you are a draw. That's yeah. all you're doing. So uh, again, it goes to you, David Moyes. I'm going to continue to give you the fucking red card. Um, if you don't know, I only do that because the juju has been really good since I've been doing that. Yep. So that's why. Um, but thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, we appreciate everything. Thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us this platform here on American Hammers Radio. Um, we're going to try to do a better job. We're going to try to be here more often. Um, it's, it's a We know it's tough, but holiday season's tough for anybody. Liam's got a family. Uh, he was always canceling on me. No, actually, that's a lie. Uh, it was a lie. It's it kind of both. I was in Texas, all different sorts of things. Or oh, I love uh, I love the where one of us will text the other one, but they're asleep. And then they wake up like an hour or two later and they're like, fuck, man, I just woke up. And they're like, no worries, man. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's me right there. It's both all of right. us. We've both done it. As always, this is uh, a very near and dear to the Fresno Irons hearts. Um, if you if you are uh, having feelings of um, you know depression or not wanting to be here anymore, just know that there's somebody to talk to. And here in the United States of America, that is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and that number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Again, that number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Always know there's somebody to talk to. And if you're a listener of this show and you're part of the West Ham family. You always have us um, here in Fresno, the Fresno Irons. We are always here for you. If you bleed the Claret Blue, hell, even if you bleed a different team and you need somebody to talk to, we'll talk shit to you just as much as we talk shit to anybody else. Um, it's all love. We want you to know that. Liam, uh, hit them with uh, if they're a UK listener. 
Sure. So you've got Samaritans over in the UK. You can reach out to it 116123, and they will provide a very similar service in, in the fact that they'll give you somebody to talk to. I know right now in these COVID times and the, the, the lockdown, this global pandemic, uh, I think times are a lot tougher than they have been in the in the past. And we haven't had the advantage of being able to make our way, you know, uh, for those that are local down to the London Stadium to really be able to enjoy uh, these matches in person. So, uh, you know, in even that, that, that offer, that extension is still to you guys as well. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable talking to Samaritans or somebody anonymous and you feel like you could reach out to us, we would always welcome that. So reach out to us on social media or, uh, you know, through email, uh, you know, wh whichever you'd like to do. On social media, you can hit us up uh, through the the uh, the account. It's A-H-R-W-H-U. So A-H-R American Hammers Radio, West Ham United. A-H-R-W-H-U. Once again, we say thank you. Um, big match this Saturday, 7 a.m. out here on the West Coast, uh, 10 a.m. on the East Coast. So you East Coast uh, supporter groups, don't you say anything about it being early. You have no <laughs> idea what early is. Um, we, want, uh, we want you to know if you find yourself here in the Central Valley of Fresno, California, and you're like, oh, my God, there's a West Ham match. Feel free to find us on Facebook at, at Fresno Irons, Instagram at Fresno Irons, or Twitter at Fresno Irons, and uh, we will let you know where the match is going to be, and we would love for you to join us even in this COVID time. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. And as always, come, come on, you irons. irons.